When 2021 ended, there was a ton of optimism. There was this idea, one that was widely shared and widely held, that governments hadn't just rescued the world from the ravages of the COVID pandemic and the deep 2020 recession, they had actually laid the foundation for a legitimate economic boom, a level of prosperity and economic advance that we hadn't seen since maybe the 1920s. Others worried, however, of course, that instead of following the 1920s, maybe governments had overdone it and that we were on the path to repeat the 1970s. You heard that a lot at the end of last year, too. The 2022 would be the beginning of secular inflation. Now, in the other small corners of the commentary marketplace, there were a few that were concerned about other things. This nagging idea of what was then called a growth scare. So in today, our final video for 2022, we're going to say goodbye to this year with sort of one of those social media things of how it started and how it's going, relating to the major economic and market themes of this year, the five ins that have dominated basically everything about 2022. And those ins are, of course, starting with inflation, then inventory, incomes, interest rates, and inversions. But when we look back at all of all of those themes, how it started and how it's going, maybe the word which correctly, most appropriately describes this year doesn't begin with an I and an N, rather it begins with a T. And I'm not talking about transitory either. We'll get to all that, but first, I'm Jeff. This is your Radala University. As always, thank you very much for joining me. If you're interested in, in deep dive analysis, we have research subscriptions available. A daily briefing that I do in partnership with Stephen Van Meter, Tracy Shukart over at Markets Insider Pro, as well as Eurodollar University memberships where you get exclusive videos and contents like question and answer sessions, where we go into the background details. All of that stuff, research subscription memberships available at Eurodollar.university. So let's start our 2022 review with the first of our in ins, which was inflation, secular inflation, that we had a supply shock, money printing, whatever the case may be. The idea that when consumer prices began to accelerate last year, especially in the middle of 2021, but really toward the end of the year, October and November into December of last year, that represented the spark, the seed finally coming, finally being germinated and breaking above the ground. That wasn't positive economic fruit, but was rather the, the, spoiled, the spoiled work of 1970s-style secular inflation. With supply constrained, with COVID and the pandemic and restriction government interference having rejiggered so much of the economy, the thought process being that supply issues were going to linger a lot longer than maybe most people were anticipating. Not only that, that we had some structural long-run issues related to that too, as Supply chains were rethought on an individual basis, which would make things more inefficient, the thinking went, as well as reshoring a lot of production so that we're not dependent upon political, political whims and everything else on the other side of vast oceans. Because of these potential longer run trends, along with all sorts of other stuff, it was widely believed, in fact, it might have been the mainstream economic case, that we were in for a rough ride, a rough ride 1970s style, where at the very best, 
We were going to see economic growth in fits and starts where it was mostly nominal rather than real. And it would continue on for a lengthy period of time, regardless of whatever the Federal Reserve came up with. And that was one of the big contentions of those arguing for secular inflation was that the Federal Reserve had already was already behind the curve on inflation like it always is, and it had let the inflation genie out of the bottle, which that argument carried some weight inside the Federal Reserve, which is why you saw such an aggressive response eventually down the road, because the Fed feared the same thing. When they saw consumer prices go up in 2021, they said, that's transitory supply shock. When they stayed up, the Fed said, okay, because we don't do money here, we don't really understand inflation, we filter all of our analysis through the theory of inflation expectation, the Fed began to think that the longer CPI stayed higher, the more possible, maybe even likely it became, that inflation expectations would unanchor and therefore it would lead to 1970s style inflation if the Fed didn't do something about it. So there was this widespread the uh, widespread concern that the, we were repeating the 1970s. But how did it actually turn out? Well, for a time, it seemed like, yeah, that was the possibility. But what we saw was that that last spike in oil prices, and of course, remember, oil prices played a huge role here in the secular inflation theory because oil production restricted, therefore that would contribute more to uh, business costs, which would have to be have to be passed along to consumers, and so on and so forth, sparking then the wage price spiral, low unemployment rates, and all the other stuff that would lead to what everybody thinks of when they think of the 1970s. But that was not actually inflation. Inflation is a monetary phenomenon. So if we're going to get a secular inflation, we have to have secular money creation. And what that 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 never happened. It never happened even in 2021 at the height of government intervention. We know that because market told us. And because there was not secular money printing like is popularly believed, instead the supply shock effect on consumer prices would only ever have been transitory. As they have been as we end 2022, how it started was secular inflation fears. How it's going is, mm, that doesn't seem to be likely at all. Now, of course, nothing is per, nothing has been proven, nothing has been conclusively established, but since around June of this year, in not just the US uh, consumer price numbers, but in many price indexes around the world, you can see mid-year a real change in the direction of consumer price. They aren't falling yet. Producer prices are falling in some places. Commodity prices are down. But consumer prices, while still advancing, are advancing at a far, far, far slower rate, which suggests, again, transitory. So we look at how inflation started. It started with a widespread fear of 1970 style. It, it, 2022 inflation ends with some people still holding to, on to that idea, but more and more it's dawning that inflation, consumer prices, all that stuff, it wasn't as, it's, as, as it seemed at the end of last year. And one big reason why is the next one of our ins. And that is, of course, income. Was there really an economic boom 
in 2021 that would hand off to 2022, which would be even better. Because if there was a boom, if there was going to be constant inflation at the very least, we needed incomes to keep up with consumer prices, which I think most people realize at the end of 2022, that wasn't actually the case. I mean, there was actually, there had been this idea. I mean, Jim Cramer, CNBC, I know his job is to sell stocks to stock viewers, but he was among the proponents that looking at, hey, 1919, there was a pandemic, Spanish flu. And then afterwards, we had this massive economic, robust economic environment that lasted a decade. So maybe 2022, after the pandemic had ended in 2021, we would have something similar. It was a neat idea in one respect of very simplistic analysis, but there was, I mean, the labor market, the economy, GDP, you heard it all the time entering this year that the economy was beyond robust. In fact, it was overheating labor shortage, low unemployment, tight labor market that was one of the leading or was theorized to be one of the leading causes to secular inflation was the Phillips curve. That meant, of course, incomes. And it was predicated on, of course, going back to 2021, government interventions, which in economic, in econometrics, government stimulus is always treated with a multiplier greater than one, which means that it produces continuous effects down the road. It, it's a permanent establishment of higher aggregate demand, when in reality, not so much. When we look at the actual labor market itself, you can see how people are led to, or how people really do believe that the labor market is absolutely on fire. The establishment survey in 2021 gained 6.7 million jobs. 6.7 million jobs in a year is absolutely fantastic. At least it seems that way. And in 2022, it slowed down a touch, but only to 4.8 million jobs. But 4.8 million jobs is terrific too, or at least sounds like it is, and that's only through November. The household survey, it's a little bit of a different picture. In 2021, the household survey gained about 6.1 million jobs, which was similar enough to the establishment survey, so you thought, okay, that's, that's terrific, or at least that seems that way. In 2022, however, we can't really, the data doesn't line up because there was a major discontinuity that was put, that the BLS added in January, which was about maybe 1.2 million jobs. So in 2022, if we just look at the gain between this year, the between November and the start of the year, it's about 3.1 million. So a lot less than the establishment survey, but that includes that discontinuity. In reality, in 2021 or 2022, the household survey says maybe we only gained a million three, which is really bad. And then it gets even worse because as uh, many people like to point out, when you say that the economy gained 6.7 million in payrolls in 2021 and another 4.8 million payrolls in 2022, the word gain is misleading. We were still recovering from enormous labor market shock and a labor market deficit, which didn't get closed in the establishment survey until this year. And even now through November, there are only 1.04 million payrolls more in November, 2022 than there had been in February, 2020. Now, the fact that we have a million more payrolls 
is again misleading because we there there were or there should have been between 5.4 million and 6.1 million additional jobs created above that level in February 2020. So by the establishment surveys, over maybe overly optimistic view, we're still somewhere between four and five million jobs short of what recovery would actually look like. And of course, there's been all sorts of uh, excuses laid out for that. In the household survey, it's actually much, much worse. The household survey, despite that discontinuity in the data, which created maybe a 1.2 million job break or employee break, there it was in November, 396,000 fewer Americans claiming to be employed in November 2022 than in February 2020. 396,000, and those aren't even comparable numbers. So there's still a gap in the household survey, not to mention the five to six million jobs that never got created. So the labor market in 2022, at the best, at the best, uh, best possible case, it slowed down substantially. And in the other case, it may have come to a grinding, crashing halt. So how we started with incomes was potentially robust. We heard everything about uh, wage gains and everything else. The establishment survey looking terrific. And how it's ending is the household survey, there's definitely been a slowdown in the labor market, but the household survey says maybe it's a total halt in income. And let's, talking about income, real personal income excluding transfer receipts wasn't all that great to begin with. You go back to last year in 2021, this particular data point, which excludes transfer receipts from the government. So it's just private economy uh, income generation in adjusting for prices, real personal income excluding transfer receipts only gained 1.9% in 2021, which told you that most of what had happened, most of what consumers and uh, workers had gained had been from those government, pro uh, government programs. In 2022, incomes are actually down a little bit through November, just fractionally. So not only despite these job games that are job job games gains that are that are showing up in the establishment survey, it's not showing up in incomes enough to keep up with either consumer prices or on an upward trajectory because flat is a contraction. We live in a nonlinear world where everything is supposed to be going up. So there's massive amounts of at the very least income uncertainty. And with income uncertainty, that leads us to our next in, which is inventory. Inventory is a pretty straightforward one. We began 2022 with the idea, the hashtag empty shelves, supply shock, shortages, all that stuff in early part of 2022. Companies over-ordering because they desperate to get any amount of goods through that massive supply shock bottleneck. And we end this year with hashtag glut where there is too much inventory across an enormous sector of the global economy that is completely reversed in every fashion. In fact, as I talked about just this week, U.S. imports utterly collapsed in November, which was just confirming what we already heard from exports in China, as well as Japan and other places, Germany, uh, global trade falling off because the goods, goods economy, too much inventory. Um, we already know from PMIs and surveys, 
corporate anecdotes and earnings reports that all show what the hard data now is starting to. We began with too much inventory. Now we end this year, or we began this year with too little inventory. And we, and we end this year with far, far too much, maybe so much that it causes the bullwhip, bullwhip effect, which leads us into a recession. And that leads us, of course, into the final two themes for this year, the final two inwards, interest rates and inversions. Now, interest rates, pretty straightforward there, too. As I said before, the Federal Reserve, fearing that it was falling behind on inflation, aggressively moved to not cut back on the money supply, as everybody believes, but to do something that made people think that they were doing something so that inflation expectations would not become, in the parlance of mainstream econometrics, unanchored. That's all the Fed is doing, the psychological manipulation in order to get people to believe that the Fed can control inflation through aggressive policy measures. And of course, the bond markets have said, no, that's not how this works. And we had inversions from the very beginning of the year. In fact, it goes back to December 2021, even before the Fed started into its aggressive posturing. Now, the markets knew that rates were going to rise because the Fed was going to do something. But the Eurodollar futures curve had inverted all the way back in December of 2021, way down the curve, just a couple basis points, which was the market starting to tease out that 2022 was not going to be inflation, was not going to be huge income growth, was not going to be a boom, not going to be like 1920s. It was not going to, inventory was going to be a huge problem more so than interest rates. And the more the Fed raised rates, the more the markets began to resist them. Not that, the, not that the markets were saying the Fed was going to cause the slowdown, but the markets were saying there was no need to raise rates because 2021 did not lay the foundation for a boom. It laid the foundation for the supply shock transitory, even recession. Because inversion in Eurodollar futures, that tiny little bit way down the curve, of course, it, it spread further up the curve after a little bit. And then it infected other curves, the U.S. Treasury curve. In March of, uh, March, of last, March of this year, 2022, that inverted a little bit first. And then the inversion in the Treasury curve spread, became serious around June and July, and then epic in October and November. And then it led to other curve inversions like Germany, and unprecedented in September, which is still unprecedented to this day. And other curves too, WTI, oil, which was supposed to play a huge role in secular inflation, began the year in backwardations, as you, at backwardation, the WTI curve, as you would expect, because supply shortage and all that, and it ends the year in persistent contango, despite the fact the supply, system, supply picture hasn't really changed. The market has perceived, all these markets have perceived the opposite risks from how we ended 2021. So inflation, incomes, inventory, interest rates, inversions. The word for 2022 isn't even transitory even though it is proving to be transitory after all. The word for 2022 is transition. The markets, the economy, everything began 2021 thinking boom, 1920s, or maybe secular inflation. And we end this year thinking not growth scare, 
but how bad will the recession be and how, how far down will CPIs go and what will the inevitable long-run consequences be that won't look like the 1970s? So as we end 2022, we thank you, to, thank you for all these inflation, incomes, inventory, interest rates, inversion, interesting, it very, it very much was. I do, I have to say thank you very much to all the Eurodollar University members, subscribers, as well as all the viewers and people who have tuned into these videos to get a little bit of a, a sense of the other side of thinking about actual evidence, market curves, and things like that. So happy, as best as possible, happy 2022. I do wish you all a very happy new year and look forward to 2023 as best as we all can. Until then, until next year, all of you take care.